Hey there, this is Jonathan with PureAndSimpleBible.com. I'm so thankful to have you back on the podcast with me. This week I've got Brother Matthew Barnes from the Church of Christ in Grapevine, Texas, with me talking about a Bible study from Exodus chapter 3 and 4 called Here I Am, Send Aaron. And from the title, you can probably guess that this is somebody who was not looking forward to their work and was interested in passing the buck on to someone else. It's a really good conversation. And without further ado, let's jump right in, shall we? All right, Matthew, well, thank you for joining me here. Very grateful to have you in studio. You're actually in the studio with me. So a lot of guys lately have been over the phone and stuff. So I'm glad you're sitting on the couch with me. Now, you work with the Church of Christ in Grapevine, and you also have a website, ChristianRepository.com, right? Or is it The Christian Repository? I can't remember. I think it's The. The? Yeah. You can Google it, thechristianrepository.com. Why don't you take a moment and maybe explain to people what the website's about before we jump into this Bible study. Okay. Well, initially it came from just an idea, talking with a couple friends that we wished that there was sort of an archive or a central place to find brotherhood resources, congregational websites, sermon audio, that kind of stuff. I don't really produce much content myself, so to speak. Mostly I just do like archiving, collect mm-hmm. resources, uh, convert cassettes, CDs, stuff like that to digital, try to preserve it. We've been working on um, a digital library for a while, and I've seen other people have started doing that. I'm glad they are because that means less work for me in some ways. <laughs> uh, you could just link to theirs, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'll do that so you can find links to all kinds of sites around the Brotherhood. I mean, I'm by no means am I like an authoritative directory. It's sure. mostly just stuff I find on my own or someone recommends to me. A few people have agreed to help keep the year out for that. But yeah, uh, we hope to have a digital library, track rack, that kind of thing. I've been reaching out to different tracked authors and asking them if they would be okay sharing mm-hmm. their material on there, that kind of thing. I think it's helpful, one, because it's a steady source of trustworthy material. So you don't have to, like I know when I go there, I don't have to, maybe do as much investigating as I might if I went to some group that I don't know anything about. I use your questions, um, the Johnny Elmore New Testament questions, on practically every study I do where it's an expository study because I think it's pretty standard. He's got like 24 questions per chapter or something. Yeah. And um, anyway, that's that's been very helpful for me. So you go to the thechristianrepository.com and down at the bottom, I think you've got some by Johnny, some by Shahe, and some by Clint DeFrance. Yeah, Clint has a Gospel Harmony series, and I have a bunch more by Shahe. He's he's done, I don't know if he's done the whole New Testament. He's kind of been going back and forth, old and new, and uh, it just depends on when I can get them all converted and ready and uploaded, but um, you can always contact those guys as well to get copies, I'm sure. Well, it's been a... Oh... It's, it's cut my study prep down when I have Bible studies with other folks and we're going to go through a book. You know, Johnny's questions are good, so I'm thankful for it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you've brought a Bible study uh, into the studio today called Here I Am, Send Aaron. And I love the, the scripture in Isaiah that I think this is a play on words. Here I am, send me. 
Um, I love that scripture in Isaiah where the prophet answers God's call by willingly coming forward. But we're looking at someone who uh, didn't, I guess, come forward as quickly. You begin your study by asking us, what would we do if we heard um, somebody calling our name? And I was surprised at how frequently the, the, the biblical answer is throughout the Bible. But what is the biblical answer that we find? And you know what, what are we supposed to do, I guess, whenever we hear that metaphorical call? Well, in the Bible, just about every time they say the same thing, here I am. And maybe we would say that if we have the gumption to think about what we've read in the Bible and mm-hmm. to respond in that way. Or mm-hmm. we would say something similar. You'd acknowledge someone's calling you. You probably wouldn't just ignore it if someone's trying to get your attention. And in this case, the idea was say that you knew it was a voice from heaven. Because right. it seems like in most of these circumstances, they knew that. Yeah. Yeah. But... So you've got the, this hall of faith. You know, you mentioned Hebrews 11. You've got Abraham and Jacob and Moses. But then, you know, you, you kind of uh, take a step back with Moses because in Exodus 3, um, he's not as heroic in his response to God. Can you maybe elaborate on what happens in Exodus 3? So, yeah, in, in Exodus 3 is when God calls to Moses out of the burning bush and Moses comes aside to hear and to see what's what's happening and the Lord calls to him saying that he has seen the oppression of his people in Egypt he's heard their cry he knows their sorrows and so he wants to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a better land mm-hmm. and he wants to use Moses to do it he wants to send Moses to Pharaoh to bring his people out uh, out of Egypt and to lead them. And so, you know, Moses is given this opportunity to be uh, like one of those people in Hebrews chapter 11. He's given the opportunity to have great faith. And so his response is, here I am. Um, but he doesn't say sin to me. In fact, the way you kind of break your study down, you've got four excuses so uh, he says, here I am, but send Aaron. And um, I love that, I guess, the organization of Exodus 3, because his responses, or rather his excuses to God and God's responses to him are so applicable to us today as well. So maybe we could just go through them one by one and consider these excuses and then also ways that maybe we make the excuse as well. So why don't you jump into the first one and, and tell us, what he says whenever God calls him that first time. Uh, He basically says he's not going to have all the answers. Okay. And he says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, that's kind of a question I think we all have when we're confronted with an opportunity, especially one that we see as beyond ourselves or something that maybe we've never thought about doing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's the first question a lot of people have is, I'm not the person to do this, you know. Um, I think a lot of people I talk with about, I guess you would say, in, in application to us, doing personal work or personal evangelism, talking with your friends, your coworkers, strangers, they just say, well, I'm not really the person that's able to do that. I, right. I don't know how to hold a, a, 
I don't know how to have an off-the-cuff study or a conversation about the gospel, which seems a little counterintuitive. I mean, if you know how to be saved, you ought to know how to explain <laughs> that to someone. Right. But I get it. It's it's a fear more of your... I don't know how to put that into words. It's more of your own ability. Like inadequacy? Just, your own yeah, personal inadequacy? The fear of the unknown. You've never done it, so right. Right. you think... I don't know how to do this, uh-huh. and I'm not the, really the person cut out. And Matthew or Jonathan or somebody who works as a preacher or a teacher in the congregation or an elder, they must have you know thousands of unknown <laughs> studies that they can draw from, right? Know, which is not always the case. Oh, absolutely so. not. I'm I'm right there with you in agreement because I'm 35. I've been preaching for. Um, I was ordained in 2010, so it's been 10 years. And I still feel that sense of inadequacy. Like, I'm still waiting to get that enlightenment or that endowment of of knowledge where I know what to say in every situation, and it doesn't happen. I don't know about you, but I feel like the, the only way I improve is by doing. It's not by this theoretical study, but by having a Bible study with somebody where you're challenged with questions. What do you think? Yeah, and I think... If you ask nine guys out of ten, they'll tell you about the two hours afterward where they're thinking back <laughs> over it and they think, they oh, should I should have said. said this or this verse was great. Or I was telling so-and-so about the study I had with someone and they mentioned a verse that I just thought, yeah, that was the whole thing right yeah. there. You know? yeah. I like to think about how many post-study conversations I've either had in the car on the way home or you know, like, like in the shower or something and the light bulb goes off. Oh, that's what I should have said. And that's how you improve. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have those frustrations. Now, God responds to Moses' objection um, in Exodus 3, verse 14 through 22. And I think his response is good for Moses, but it's also good for us. So maybe you could take us through that response. Okay, I'll go ahead and read a little bit of what he said. He says to Moses, I am who I am, which is basically his answer. And then he elaborates <laughs> and says... Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. And so he starts to give more instruction about what to do. So first he basically just reminds Moses who he is, Mm -hmm. who he's speaking to. Mm -hmm. And that should be a reminder that he's everlasting. He's the creator He knows Moses more than Moses knows Moses. And he gives Moses an assurance that he's going to provide anything that he might lack for this work. He's not asking something that's too tall. He's not asking for something beyond Moses. He knows Moses and he chose him for a reason. And maybe, you know, maybe Moses could be right. Maybe there are some things he doesn't have right now. Mm -hmm. But even if there are, God is... The I am, he's going to give him whatever he needs, or he will bring him to that point where he's ready to do that. So we, we mentioned the fear of inadequacy, but I like what you were talking about there, how God God didn't ask him to do something that was beyond ability. Just like, uh, you know, he's not asking us to go climb Mount Everest. He's asking us to have a conversation. He's asking us to interact with somebody. And yet that can be crippling, Um and so we have to maybe put it in perspective. 
what's the worst thing that can happen to me? I guess is the question I like to ask. What's the worst thing that can happen to me if I go and talk to this coworker or I ask them anything? The worst thing that is going to happen is they're going to say no. You're going to get maybe th that awkward rejection. None of it, I don't know about you, but I've never had to fear for my life in any of the countries I've been in, and especially in our own. I've never had to fear for my life for inviting somebody to study the Bible. It's always just been the fear of being rejected. Moving the conversation to us, right? And the, the question um, maybe for a Christian is, is if God has given you what you need to know about your faith or about salvation, etc., and then somebody asks you a question about that faith, and you say, I don't think I can answer the question. In your notes, you, you follow up with a different question, and that is, what are you doing to get ready? I like that question. You're not accepting somebody saying, I don't know enough, but rather you're pushing them to say, okay, well, if you don't know enough, what are you doing to improve? What scriptures do you have, or what uh, thoughts do you have to help elaborate on that to encourage our folks to, even if they don't know, to improve themselves? Let me jump back for a second leading into sure. that to something that you were saying about um, making that connection a day of the worst thing we have is like a rejection. That's one of the reasons I like this story or this account from Moses's life because you think about, and this touches on something that you ask about later, you think about his situation in Midian coming across the burning bush. Why was he in Midian? He rose up against an Egyptian who was mistreating the Hebrews and he slew him and the Hebrews rejected him. They weren't willing to have that done. They didn't want him to arbitrate between them when they were arguing. The Egyptians didn't want him there. So he fled from two nations, his own nation in both senses, in different, in, in right. both cases, in different right. senses. So he's out here with the Midianites and God's telling him, go back. We know he really cares for his people. He rose against the nation he grew up in mm -hmm. for his blood. Mm -hmm. So he cares, but he's afraid to go back because he knows, well, they didn't really care much for my influence, my, my people by blood, and the people who I was raised among probably do want me back, but not for good reasons. <laughs> so he's going to be risking his life. He's risking life and limb, reputation, all, all kinds of things. He's going in alone, right. basically. And we don't face anything like that. Good point. So I think that's a big hurdle. I think sometimes we react to this call, this idea that go have a conversation as if there is something so dramatically bad on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the worst, it's rejection. But there, there is another, I guess, that's maybe just as bad in our opinion. You might look like a fool if you're not ready and you throw yourself out there. Right. But sometimes maybe you need that. You need that catalyst to say, OK, I wasn't ready. Or I ought to be maybe a little ashamed of myself for not being ready for this conversation. But I think you said something along this line. You can say, I'm not sure. Let me get back to you, which is something we hear all the time mm -hmm. growing up. You know, if you don't know the answer, tell them that's a good question. Let me let me study it. And I think that's one of the keys uh, in this conversation first peter 3 and 15 sanctify the lord god in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear yeah saying i don't know um i think is one of the most genuine and sincere ways to build credibility i have been in situations sadly where i i felt like i needed to answer 
and I didn't really have a good one. And I, I could see it in their eyes. Like the credibility was washing away because I was just speaking empty words. So for those who are younger that are nervous, but they want to jump in, I think that's such tremendous advice of, you know, I'm not quite sure. Let me go study it. We'll get back together next week. And you just got to study next week. So you've, you've kind of improved in two ways. One, you've built credibility that you're not a know-it-all, but two, you've also set up your second Bible study. <laughs> yeah, and from personal experience, maybe you've had something like this happen. When I worked at Grandy's in Rome, which uh, if you ever want to go see it, you can't. It closed. <laughs> it was in a gas oh, no. <laughs> station. Um, there was a guy I worked with, and he's an atheist, and I've probably talked about him before in lessons and stuff. He knows that. I don't know if he'll ever hear this if he does. You know, he doesn't really care, I don't think. But he would ask me questions about the Bible. And, you know, sometimes there are questions that you've heard before and you don't remember the answer or you've heard that kind of objection. And maybe because of the situation you heard it and you kind of just write it off and pass on by. Yeah. Especially, you know, there's a dime a dozen atheist objections to the Bible. But he would bring up scriptures and say, what do you think about that? Just to try and get a rise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, <clears throat> a lot of times I would say, you know, I don't have an answer for you right now, but I know that's wrong. And I'll come back to you on our next shift or next week. I said, just give me a little time. I will have an answer for you. It's not always just, I don't know, let me study it. If you give someone an answer like that, at least in my experience, they're going to say, oh, and they're going to be thinking, well, that's not what I expected. I expected just a dismissal, an emotional response. I wanted to get them angry. Right. But when you say that's not right, or you've got something wrong, that's kind of challenging to the person, and they're going to usually be a bit more invested in the conversation from that point. So we actually ended up talking about the Bible a lot. I mean, you know, one of the classic things, people will take an Old Testament verse, and they'll ask you about that, right? and make issues with New Testament verses, and I said, well, let me explain to you the difference between the Testaments. Do you know what they're for? And I would ask follow-up questions, and we'd start off on completely different subjects. So yeah, I mean, being willing to just take that step you'll be surprised sometimes what will happen mm -hmm. and where the conversations will go. He's come to church several times. He never converted or anything, but I think that was other reasons. But, you know, he he went and did a lot of things that I think were surprising. He probably never would have thought he would do. Uh, you might not think someone who was a professed atheist who now says he's agnostic. You know, that's a step, I guess. Uh, he went up with me to meet Johnny once or twice when I was studying with Johnny mm -hmm. and really liked Johnny. He liked dad. Uh, in fact, when I went to Johnny's funeral, I asked him if he wanted to go and he drove up there. You know, that's, really? that's kind of uncommon, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you've, the success of that, are you familiar with Fred Kokel? He has a book called Tactics. He's got I've a heard podcast. Of the book. I, I, li I listen to his <clears throat> podcast. He's an apologist. His one of his big points is put a pebble in their shoe. Don't try to uh, put all your eggs in one basket. You know, I'm mixing metaphors here, maybe, but um, the idea is is don't have a high stakes conversation in one conversation where you put it all in there, and if they don't agree, then you move on. His idea is you put a pebble in their shoe so that as they walk through life, it's not comfortable because something isn't reasonable about their worldview and you put that pebble in there. So it sounds like with this guy, that's what you've done. And yeah, <clears throat> I imagine you've got his phone number still. So, you know, who yeah, knows we still talk. Happen. We were good friends for, or we are good friends, you know, uh, we still talk and stuff. They'll usually come 
watch our dogs if we're out of town. That oh, kind of thing, so. well, there you go. Yeah. Don't give up. The, the scripture you read, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a defense, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, this doesn't mean a, um, a military defense, obviously, but it is an apologia, the idea of a reasoned response. So be ready. Be ready to give a reasoned response. Now, you, in your notes, I like this quote, so I'm just going to read it. It says, God may not expect us to have all the answers, but he does expect us to be working towards that goal, even if it takes a lifetime. And so uh, maybe we could continue in this, but I guess my question would be, what is this expectation that God has for us? Can we flesh it out a little bit more? What, What can we do to work on having the answers? I was thinking about this this morning. <clears throat> I think really we've heard the process, the the basic most the most basic and simple phrasing of the answer to that or the the how all of our lives if we've grown up in in or around the church. Right. And that's, you know, read the word, study the word, mm-hmm. pray. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple answer, but that's where you have to begin. And uh, I was thinking that maybe the fact that we've heard this all of our lives is both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because when you make that decision that I'm not where I need to be or I need to change something, you know where to start. You know those those things are probably going to come to your mind. And you might start to think along the lines I did of, well, maybe it's a curse because that's familiar. It's easy to dismiss and say, it can't be that simple. Yeah. I mean, I, I read, I pray, I study. I've done that for 20 years, however old you are at the time. But the question is, are you doing it regularly? Is it habitual? Is it a part of your day? Is it a part of your life or is it something that you did when things were difficult, when you felt down and you just thought, well, I'm going to grasp at straws kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts is important i don't know if i could really go into everything about it sure it's probably something i want to study a lot more but i remember when working on this study that really stuck out to me as almost the rest of the verse being a description of how you do this or, or a result of that and we have ephesians three fourteen through 19 in there later i think the idea of putting the study and reading of God's word, the internalization of that is a part of that process of sanctifying God in your hearts. It's internalizing that. It's taking that in, making it a part of you, mm-hmm. showing glory mm-hmm. and honor to God by doing that. I can't agree with you more. I These simple things, I may have said this before on the podcast, but like there are times when I'll go study with folks. Maybe it's like a, somebody who's discouraged a, a member, and, and so I'm going to kind of help them work through something. Similar to a doctor, you know, when you go to the doctor and the doctor asks you those basic questions at the beginning, you've got some symptom or some problem. You go to the doctor because you're sick, and the doctor takes your temperature, takes your blood pressure, takes your weight, you know, and you think, why do we do that? Well, Suddenly, whenever your blood pressure came back high and your weight is off from previous visits, those basic things add up. And I do that with folks when I'll go, you know, we'll sit down and we'll chat for a little bit and I'll, and I'll kind of get to the point of, so tell me about your Bible reading. 
and they'll say, oh, I haven't read in a month. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, How, you know, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, I pray for my food. And you're kind of like, well, I mean, we've got this big problem you have, but it sounds like you haven't built these proper habits, this lifestyle of being getting the little things right and, you know, kind of falls into place. Yeah, it's like a healthy diet. And you you probably get this. You'll have someone come up and and you kind of feel torn sometimes if they ask, do you have any good books on name a topic? Right. And you start thinking <laughs> of all the ones that you've been reading, all the ones you've collected and all the things you've been wanting to study. And sometimes in the back of your mind, you have that little nag of, well, have you been reading the Bible regularly first? And sometimes in your own study, you get into those ruts, like you get busy or overwhelmed with, you know, all the secondary tertiary things that come up with Mm -hmm. working in the gospel or Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, work related stuff or just stuff. That's not just you sitting down with the Bible and reading, not just studying the Bible or you get, caught up in all the study supplements all the yeah. extra things which i always like the way johnny talked about those books they're more like friends and teachers you're talking about the bible with and they should not be the main source of what you're getting your doctrine like from that. but you always have to take that step back and say okay let's put aside all the extra books and let's get back to like just reading the bible mm-hmm. regularly or at least put that as the first thing you do and always come back to the scriptures and I don't know, maybe you've had times like this. Sometimes you get off and you're not you're not reading regularly. I think everybody has those times. And sometimes you start feeling discouraged. Of, yep. I don't feel like I've grown at all in yep. a month or whatever. Or you feel like you feel like you're not where you were. Mm-hmm. And even then sometimes you feel that same doubt of can it be so easy as just reading the Bible every day and studying it and going back to that because you you get lost in the the world of books that are out there Mm -hmm. and say well look at these people who argue about religion all the time and everything but i'm probably rambling a little bit but uh oh that's the best and i'll 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 say this as well nobody can see in my office except you and i that there's a pile of about (laughs) 20 books on the floor all (laughs) all strewn out but uh i'm right there yeah it's so distracting because i love to read the bible every day i fall short but it kind of snowballs. One turns into two, turns into three, and you get really frustrated. You look at the other books that you want to read, and like you said, um, those are supposed to be supporting characters, and then you can find that those either take the place of it or it just piles on the guilt when you're not reading those two. So, yeah, little stuff. In your notes, um, you talk about Romans ten seventeen, one of my favorite verses. That, that whole section in Romans 10 I love. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And soon after that, there's a little quote in there. It says, with such preparation being our habitual routine, we're ready to meet the rest of the task that Peter describes. So I'm summarizing what we've just talked about. But yeah, it really does make that much sense. Just if you read and pray, and I might throw in another one of, of fellowship, of spending time with members of the church who you draw strength from those simple things add up don't they yeah and uh one one thing i would say about when you read and you finally come back to it there's something i've noticed because most of the time you don't just stop doing anything usually i mean at least if you're maybe you can think about if you get caught up in a lot of projects with maybe personal work Mm -hmm. correspondence bible study courses that kind of stuff and you neglect your own development 
you come back and you start reading again, it seems like all of a sudden everything that's piled up from all the other stuff that maybe wasn't really going anywhere, it's like you've been gaining these perspectives, these knowledge or whatever, these study points, I guess, from mm -hmm. different sources. And then you start methodically reading through the Bible, Old or New Testament, maybe you go cover to cover, whatever. Things start clicking. Yes. And it's like, yes, it's like you had all the locks, but not the key mm -hmm. or something. Because it felt that way for me every time I fell off of a Bible reading schedule. Right. And right. it just amazes me every time that, you know, you reread Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it feels like, because you always restart the, the, the schedule when you fall off. Uh -huh. Things just start clicking yep. and connecting. So Absolutely. Um, you talk about ways that God prepares you for service. So we've been talking about simple things, reading, praying, studying, fellowship. But you talk about personal and providential ways that God helps. You Maybe you want to take a moment just to break that down for folks. Uh, because in the same way that Moses had a pro very, it's more than providential, it was a direct interaction from God. But uh, we have our personal ways and we have providential ways. What do you mean by that? So, a very familiar verse to, I think, just about everyone is 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are there for you to study and to read, mm -hmm. to learn about Christ, about the gospel, about salvation, to learn about how to live as a Christian and what you are to be doing. So it's there for you to study and to grow. It's your personal training with God. Right. One-on-one -on -one or in small groups if you are studying with other people. Maybe you're married and you read and study with your spouse or with your family. Um, so personally, I think there are several ways. And the first is the word and then you spread out into like we've been talking about you study with other people mm -hmm. um, family church members maybe a, a leader in the church in your congregation or beyond and providentially is one of those things that i'm definitely not an expert i wouldn't even i don't feel that comfortable talking about it that much but sure. there, you know there are things that i think any of us encounter in life that sometimes we look back on and we think it feels like I met that person for a reason, had that conversation. And, and, you know, you think about a whirlwind of events that might bring you into a situation where you you actually had a conversation you felt ready for or yeah. something. Or maybe one that made you change the way you were. Uh, I mentioned that job at Grandy's. I mean, that was my first job. And all my life, I had friends in the church who I felt like were much more serious than me. Like you said, I guess a little confessional hour. <laughs> I've I've been open with people about this though, especially friends. You right. know, I I had friends that could quote scripture. I couldn't, like I just did. That's not like showing off. It's just that's an easy verse to remember. We hear it sure. all the time. Sure. I still can't quote verses from memory that well most of the time, but um when I started that job, I wasn't ready for those conversations, but they kept happening. Mm -hmm. And I took the message and said, Well, I need to start actually studying and eventually asked Johnny, said, Hey, I'm 19 years old and 
nowhere near where I should be. So can you help me fix that problem? <laughs> you know, and I think kind of touching back real briefly on something we were talking about of the read, study, pray. I think people think that's too simple and they want practical advice and yeah. you can't always give them, you know, here's ABC to right. victory on that because right. it's going to be personalized. But I think one of the best pieces of advice I could give is find someone that you can trust in the church to mm-hmm. open yourself to mm-hmm. like bear your soul. I'm, I mean, I hope that means a lot coming from me. I'm not that kind of person. If people know me, like I don't just <laughs> usually tell everything and open up to people, but find someone that you can do that with and that you can express your doubts, your questions, your failures, your weaknesses to. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do. It's one of the joys of marriage, isn't it? Is that you find that person a, li- a good life partner. Um, I- I'll say a word about Providence. I will probably give the same uh, caveat that you gave, is that I don't feel comfortable going too much into detail about it, but the, what I like to use is a word that Paul used in Philemon. Uh, I think it's verse 15, but it could be somewhere in the teens. It, and that's the word perhaps, is that Providence is that you want to give God the glory without the confidence of knowing for certain what happened. And that's the difference between, I I guess, uh, people in the Lord's Church is that we uh, are skeptical of when people will will just very fervently call something a miracle because we look at the miraculous abilities they had in the the New Testament and what purpose they served. And so we're hesitant, I think rightly so. And so we like to say things are providential. And Paul... There's this time when uh, he's talking about Onesimus and how he came to Rome, and he says, perhaps he came so that he might return to you as more than just a slave as a brother. Even Paul wasn't willing to say for sure, uh, well, I know this happened. It happened for this specific reason. He, he was very humble, saying, well, perhaps it wasn't. And I think that's how we use providence is to say, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to give God the credit and the glory. So maybe that's helpful for folks. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And like I mentioned, that job and that friend, I felt like, you know, not only did it do a lot of good for me, meeting people that challenged me. I mean, he challenged me with skepticism that I'd never encountered. It actually sent me through a big, not not a crisis. I didn't feel like I was going to fall away, Mm -hmm. but I doubted a lot of things and I questioned a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I came through stronger for it. Not necessarily that, oh, it's good to just question all authority and throw aside everything you've ever learned. But I think when you don't have foundations for your beliefs or you are coasting on what you've always heard and you've not studied it, you've not Mm -hmm. put those roots in, that can be dangerous. So when he confronted me with not really his objections from atheism, but uh, the atheist community of Austin and some of those other big names, I guess, if they are. I would, I would watch their material to see, okay, what is he talking about that I, he wants me to address? They raised a lot of questions for me, but having the, the fortunate background I did of being taught how to respect the scriptures and how to respect a question, I knew, okay, here's a lot of compelling evidence by one side. I'm not just going to accept that. And I'm not just going to counter it with here's what I've always heard I want to know is there reasoned answers from the Mm -hmm. same evidence Mm -hmm. to answer these objections so that's what I look for and that that helped and 
you know, I, I mentioned reaching out to Johnny and I, that for me was a, would have been a much harder thing if we hadn't known them since I was a kid. Right. And I think that's probably intimidating to anyone if they are thinking about kind of what we've talked about, admitting a failure. You know, I'm not where I need to be. I'm, like I said, I was 19 and I'm going to reach out to a guy who's preached for 65 years and say, <laughs> hey, I don't know anything about what I should know. I'm nowhere near where I should be. That's looking back. Maybe that sounds like, are you crazy? Yeah. You know, you're going to admit that. I mean, I knew Johnny and I knew what kind of person he was. And I just want to say, you know, with probably any preacher, anyone that cares enough to take that on as a job, it's not someone that's just going to just condemn you if you come to them in humility and say, hey, right. I need help. Mm -hmm. That's probably the greatest thing they could hear. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want to help you. And you're going to have a friend for a lifetime, I would say. Oh, absolutely. And their work schedule, which most likely is already jam-packed with studies, uh, sermon prep, and, and a variety of other things. Let's say they've got 50, 55, 60 hours already planned that week. You come to them in that moment of vulnerability and say, I need help. They are going to squeeze you in. I know that's how it is with me. It's like, I'm going to find that spot. It doesn't matter how many extra hours this is going to add. It's yeah, and depending on the guy, buckle up, he may not let you leave. <laughs> Johnny would keep me till midnight. Oh, I get man. up there at like 5 or earlier on a Friday. You yeah. never know, and... Him and Sally, they didn't want you to leave. They yeah. wanted you to stay, spend time. And, I mean, that was something I didn't know I needed in some ways, but you, you do need. Mm -hmm. You need someone that you can do that with. Well, good for you. I'm glad. I, I never knew this about you and Johnny. I knew that you were close to him. At his funeral, you were a pallbearer, weren't mm -hmm. you, one of the pallbearers? But I didn't know that it was that impactful for you. So, All right, well, we've had a very... Uh, invigorating impromptu study. I'd like to maybe share with our audience that not a lot of that was in your notes. We've just been kind of meandering through the tulips, so to speak, but I've really enjoyed it. We're going to jump into the second excuse. Oh, you're going to have to come back next week if you want to hear the second part, which has the reasons two, three, and four for why Moses said, Here I am, send Aaron. Today we really just talked about one, and we talked a long time about it, but man, it was a healthy conversation to be a part of, and I hope it was healthy for you to listen to as well. I'm thankful for Matthew coming in and talking about this. Sometimes when two preachers get together, we can just talk, 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 but I hope it's one of those conversations that as you listen to it, you find perspective, there are scriptures unlocked, and that it's uh, just good for you to listen to. So if you don't mind... I would like to issue the challenge again for you to go to your platform that you prefer to listen to the podcast on. So if you listen on Spotify or Apple or if you're on SoundCloud, will you please go and leave a five-star review for Pure and Simple Bibles podcast? Those things really help in analytics. And when people are searching for podcasts, I need your help to make sure that Pure and Simple Bible always lands at the top of the search when they type in Bible podcast or Christian podcast. I want to get PSB up there, so please go leave a five-star review and tell users why you enjoy the program. So until next week, take care of that. Make that your homework item, and also go to the website. Go to pureandsimplebible.com. Check out all the resources. I just used the Redemption series, one of the workbooks that's available to use there. 
uh, a brother in Christ and I at my home congregation, we used that workbook series to go through it with uh, somebody who had been visiting and had been visiting for quite some time. But after going through the redemption series, they wanted to obey the gospel. They knew exactly what the Bible laid out for them to what they needed to do to become a Christian and how they needed to place their faith in Jesus. And it was such a helpful study, rewarding to see that the workbook works. So go check it out. Those workbooks will be really helpful for your studies and what you want to accomplish. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. We're willing. See you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well, it's real.